to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. I am back. I am back after my summer of travelling and GA and hurling and camogie and football, Olympics, Paralympics. It was a crazy, crazy summer, but I am here. I'm Valerie and I'm with you until 7 o'clock tonight. It will be a hectic show with some amazing guests. So, first of all, let's get through some of the sports news of today. Let's get down to it. Starting with the Premier League action. Chelsea have beaten Southampton 3-1 at Stamford Bridge and Leeds beat Watford 1-0. Wolves finished up the game against Newcastle 2-1 with the Republic of Ireland's Jeff Henrik coming off the bench to score for the visitors. Um, it finished up scoreless between Burnley and Norwich and earlier on Man United dropped points at Old Trafford again. I know my father will be absolutely delighted <laughs> with that. He's not really a big um, Man United fan. They drew one all with Everton. Um, what else is happening Brighton are looking to maintain their impressive start this season they've taken on Arsenal since 5.30 at the Amex Shane Duffy stars there and Aaron Connolly is on the bench there's currently no score at the moment um, but apparently it's been a frantic opening 25 minutes but it remains goalless I'll keep you up to date on that in the Women's National League today Dublin's derby between Shelbourne and DLR Waves has kicked off at Tulka Park um, going into the game the third and fourth in the table respectively and elsewhere this evening Wexford hosts Galway while Cork City are away to Atlone later on and you can watch that on the stream on the LOI.ie page if you want to have a look. Uh, in Gaelic Games in Cork, we've had two semi-finals in the Premier Under 27, under 27 imagine, Under 17 Hurling Championship today. Glen Rovers defeated the Bars at 2.17 to 1.14. The other semi-final went to extra time with Bride Rovers getting the better of Ballincollig 3.19 to 1.16. So it's a Glen versus Bride Rovers final. In the SE Systems Senior Camogie Championship, I have some results here but I'm going to keep a look online for the other ones. Sean Dunn had a 19 point win over Airogue. It was 323 to 13 points and it was a win for Sarsfield against Ballygarvin 117 to 12. There's other games ongoing at the moment and once they are put up on Twitter I will tell you so. And tomorrow Carberry and St. Catharines are 12 o'clock. In rugby, Munster in action in the URC this evening. Uh, they play the Stormers in Toma Park at 7.35. Johan van Gran has made four changes to the side that sailed past the Sharks last week. Keith Earls, Calvin Ash and Shane Daly all come into the back line for the host and Keenan Knox will start at tight head props. Now in golf, Cork's John Murphy and Shane Lowry joined Best of the Irish Day after they three of the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship. They're both 11 under par and in a tie for second on the leaderboard. Murphy shot a 5 under par round of 67 while Laurie has two holes left to play today and England's Danny Willett has a three stroke lead on 14 under. So that is today's sports news. I will keep you up to um, speed on the Premier League results at Arsenal game and of course the Camogie throughout the show. But this week uh, Sunday, Monday night this week, a new manager of Cork Ladies Football was announced and joining me on the show this week is the new Cork Ladies Football manager Shane Ronane. Shane, how does that sound? You're the manager of the new Cork Ladies Senior Football. It sounds fantastic. Um, you know, been a, a, a great week. Um, you know, you know, I can't say anything, but I'm buzzing about it. You know, fierce, excited about it. Um, very proud and honoured as well, Valerie, to be to be me you know, have this. Um, I suppose honour bestowed upon me to um, to be the Cork Ladies Football Manager. I think it's a huge, a huge role, and it's you know, it's one I've always wanted. What has the reaction been like to this from family and friends and the phone? What's it been like this week, Shane? Um, it's been, you know, it's been, it's been, look, it's been great. Um, you know, so much positivity from everybody, everybody, you know, at home, family, friends, my, you know, um, they're all so delighted. Like Morn Abbey training the other night, there was, they had uh, champagne and cake and balloons and, you know, and a card and they're, you know, I think it means a lot to, to a lot of people 
who I've worked with and I suppose who, you know, down through the years, you know, that, that I've been dealing with. And I think, you know, it's fantastic. And there's a hugely positive reaction from all over the country. Lots of, you know, other managers and even people from different codes, you know, being in touch and, um, you know, it's, the phone's been hopping and it's been great. Like it's been, you know, hard, hard getting back to everyone, but, you know, look, I think that's, uh, you know, it, it makes me feel good about it. And, you know, and as, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing about it. Yeah, you were at a point on Monday night at the county board meeting. I mean, when your name is thrown forward for this, Shane, I mean, it's probably an opportunity you couldn't turn down. No, look, that's it. That's it exactly. And I had another year to run with Waterford, um, you know, so it, it wasn't easy to, I suppose, to to leave that situation because I, you know, got on very well with the Waterford lads and with the Waterford County Board, you know, they've been nothing but supportive. And, you know, even since, like, they, you know, they understood my decision. Um, but like this is opportunity, um, you know, six years ago was the last time the job was really up for grabs. So look, you're, you're looking down the line, it could be four or five, six years when it becomes available again and you don't know what's going to happen in life. So I think, look, sometimes, Valley, you know, you have to you have to go for something and that's something that I always wanted to do. So when the opportunity arose, I, I couldn't say, I couldn't, I couldn't not put my name in because um, it's something I really wanted. And as I said, you just have to go for it sometimes. And I, look, I'm delighted I got it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are. I think there's a lot of excitement around the county, to be honest. Um, you know, sometimes when someone new comes in, it's it's a fresh thing for the team. And I think that you're coming with a, an extremely impressive CV, Shane, and that no one can take that away from you either, you know? Yeah, look, I suppose I, I, I've worked very hard the last, um, I suppose, since I was involved with Cork in 14 and 15. Since, since then, you know, that six-year period. I've worked very hard on improving as a manager and as a, as a coach. And I suppose, you know, you mature as well. And, um, you know, I, I've picked up so much experience over the last few years. I think I'm in, I'm in, I'm in a good place to do it now. Um, you know, I think my, my, um, my, my look, the stuff I've won, I suppose, and those experience experiences, highs and lows over the last few, you know, six years, I think has put me in a very, uh, a uh, good position to be able to do the best job that I can do. And hopefully the best job for Cork ladies football. I mean, what kind of a manager are you like? I know we know you from meeting on the sideline and stuff, but what are you like with the players? Like, well, I, I'd always, like I, I, I'm, the way I describe myself is like I'm very passionate about the game. Um, you know, that comes across, and sometimes it comes across too much, you know, on the sideline and things like that. But I think the players buy into that. Um, they know I'm there for them and for, to make them better. I'm very organized. Um, you know, I think we, whatever training sessions we're doing or meetings, uh, you know, they're done as professionally as possibly we can do it. And I think the players buy into that. I think of a good way of, I suppose, getting my message across to players within, I suppose, in games or drills or anything like that, but getting the message across and that they understand what's the process behind uh, stuff we're doing at training. You know, I suppose, I think the teaching background helps there as well that, um, you know, that, you're trying to get that message across. You're, you, you know, you're trying to get them learning every day. They're training, and also I think the teaching, being a teacher, I suppose, you're used to dealing with different types of characters every day of the week. So it helps, like you know, and it's, it's look, it's not exclusive for teachers, but I think it, it certainly does help that you know I'm in the classroom every day dealing with 24 kids, and they're all different. And I go to the field, and I've you know 30, 30 players and or 35 players, and they've all got different things going on. And I think we have to be very cognizant of that fact, like that. I think players are. I think I've learned this, especially the last while, that players are, um, you know, they're people first. You know, their their daughters, their sisters, their cousins, their partners, their wives, whatever, first before they come to the field, and yeah. then they then then they're players. And I think if we can get them and make sure that they're in a happy place and a good place 
with as a as a person, I think we can help them, you know, become a better footballer then. But you know, I think that's so important, you know, and, and that's something I you know I definitely improved on in the last few years. And I think something we I definitely learned learned about over lockdown as well about making sure that you time for yourself. And I'm certainly not going to be, you know, getting the players together too many times in a, in a week that, um, you know, that they become, I suppose, bored or annoyed with the setup. I think it's, you know, I think less is more a lot of the time. These are very dedicated players. There's going to be a lot of responsibility put back onto them. You know, we won't be overdoing anything. We do everything professionally and properly. And, you know, I think that's certainly something I've learned over the last while that, you know, you, you don't need to be doing too much at all. And how have you time for everything? Morning Abbey, Cork, the teaching, family life. I mean, have you time in your schedule to fit all this in? Yeah, look, I, I have, I suppose, you know, uh, it's, I, I, I would consider myself very organised. And I think, you know, busy people find time to do things. And you know, that, that's, I, I, I firmly believe that. And look, I, I would say the same in school, like the, you know, certain time players will be wondering, or students in school will be wondering, should they be playing school sports and playing all these sports? I think if they're playing those, they're going to get a better leave in certain things like that. I firmly believe that. So I look at it that way, that I'm very organized. I've got very supportive, um, you know, the family are very supportive. Uh, my backroom staff with, with Morn Abbey are unbelievably supportive. They're, you know, they're always willing to do things for me. Uh, you know, my I know whatever, when I bring my backroom team in with Cork, they're going to be the same. Like I, can, I, I know that I can do all these jobs. There was one stage uh, a few years ago in 2017, I had Mitchestown men, I had Morn Abbey going and I had... Um, I had Tipperary going and I was also involved in UCC and doing school teams. So <laughs> like, no, that was too much. Like, but I actually found the time to do it all, but I don't think it was very healthy for me to be doing it. Um, and I don't think it was probably wasn't good for all the teams as well that you kind of overstretch yourself. But I, I'm not worried about, about the time commitment because um, I'm so dedicated to it. You know, I, I'll find the time and, and look, as I said, I don't know what the future holds with Mornabi you know, in, in, in years to come because this year, hopefully, we'll have a long campaign and we'll sit down like we always do, Valerie, and, and see where we're going from there. Um, you know, I probably won't be taking on any other teams. You know, I can say that for definite. Um, you know, you never and, know, Shane, you know, judging by you. Yeah. Well, look, I suppose, look, I, I, I love doing it. And, and it's something, I suppose, it's, it's hard to say no to some people as well. You know, if you, you've got that tug of, you know, uh, you know, I did a few sessions for Juveniles and Mitchell's and things like that last year. I was doing a few, I suppose, talks for them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a school team as well, like, you know, because I like doing a school team as well because, you know, it gets you involved with the, I suppose, the students. They see you in a different light and, you know, I, I'm, doing, I'm going to take, a, take I'll mainly do the boys team in school. So, look, that'll give me a different perspective as well. I'm not doing all girls and things like that. So, look, I'm not worried about the time because I'm used to it, I suppose. And, and as I said, I, I can manage my time very well, I think. You've trained the girls and now you've trained the boys down to the years. Which is easier? Um, look, I have to say, I suppose, you know, maybe school level, the, the, the girls were definitely easier to deal with. They were, they were, we had a very, very good team. A lot of that, I suppose, that backbone, the two great teams, the one does all Irons with Ashley Maloney and Roisin Howard and all these girls, mm. you know, so they were very committed. Um, you know, the boys, not so much. No, we had very successful boys teams in the school as well, like, but, you know, they were nearly a once-off for us. Um <laughs> The Warford lads last year, you know, they were, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of them, you know, uh, they were so eager to learn and, you know, they were very humble about what they were doing. So I think I suppose, it, look, it's leveled off there in the last few years. I was very impressed with the way the Warford lads, you know, carried themselves and were so interested in training and all that. So, um, but sometimes boys are harder to get to the field. You know, the girls are, they are that little bit more commit, committed and organized sometimes, you know, so. Uh, and I suppose the teams I've been lucky to be involved with down through the years, you know, with UCC, with Cork, with Tip, with Mornabi, you know, I've had seriously committed players. You're not looking out the gates who's coming in. And sometimes that happens with the boys, you know. Um, <laughs> I'll see now this evening. We're, start, we're starting with the boys football in school this evening. And I, I hope I'm not looking out the gates to see who's coming in, you know. 
Yeah, good, good, good. For your three-year term, I mean, what is the hopes? What's the dream? What is your plan? Have you anything in mind that you're like, this is my goal and this is what's happening? Well, I suppose my it's, there's going to be maybe a couple of parts to the plan. Um, obviously, I think that where Cork are at the moment, you know, we're, we're at that top table, um, but we want to win the All-Ireland. And I think, you know, that, that I'll be going, I'm going to be judged on that. Um, because that's what the way it was before, you know, the last six years. If you won the one the first year, they've been very close a couple of more times, you know. But ultimately, only one team can win the All Ireland. But I think I'm going to be judged on on All Ireland titles, not league titles, not monster titles. Mm. It will be on All Ireland titles. I'm well aware of that. Um, I'm going to embrace that pressure, and that's my ultimate goal to start to get Brendan Martin back to Cork as many times as I can in my three-year term, and you know, who knows, it might go on for longer then. Um, the second part of my 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 role I see as as development of um, getting a stronger squad of players there and hopefully trying to bridge the gap between uh, minor and senior. You know, Cork have been seriously good at minor for as far as I can remember down through the years with John Cleary, with you know Joe Carroll this year. You know, seriously good teams. Robbie Smite before that. Lots of um, seriously good players. You know, you know on the conveyor belt. But there's a huge gap I think between minor and senior because. Um, there's a f- huge physical gap as well. So, look, I'm going to be looking at trying to maybe develop a, having a senior B squad or an under-21 team or something like that. Because the boys have their under-20 team. And I think it's a, it's a huge thing that's missing in ladies' football. And I know there's an overlap of a lot of players in a lot of counties. But I'm looking maybe to hopefully some of the, the bigger counties with bigger squads um, you know, might be interested in playing under-20 blitz day or something like that. Or just we're, we're hoping to get them in. I suppose even if we can't get games for them to get them on strength and conditioning programs and things like that so that when they when they do step up then into the senior squad that you know they're physically ready for it. because they're, they're, I think there's a, there, is a, there is a big gap and that's one of my big roles I think to develop it and make sure that whenever I'm out of the job that there's a, a huge pool of players there who are both um, they have the skill they have, they have the t- tactical awareness but they also have I think the the, physic- the physicality that you need to play senior senior ladies football at the moment. like. And I suppose not only that, you'd probably be on the lookout for, that sounds amazing, Shane, to be honest, it really does because the more players that are playing, the better. But you'll obviously be on the lookout for new talent as well. And I think that there's a lot of players out there that probably mightn't have been spotted. And, you know, sometimes when there's one manager there for a long time, they don't look past the squad they have. Yeah, look, like, and this, I suppose it, it it kind of the way Cork is at, at all codes. Cork is such a huge county with a huge number of clubs, and the, the distance from you know, like Mitchestown, where I live, you know, is, is 100 miles to Castletown Bear. Like, you know, and that's and people can't probably from other counties probably can't comprehend that. Mm. And it's just a huge, a huge county with loads of clubs. You're bound to miss players, and maybe players don't feel you know that they'll get a fair crack at it, or they mightn't, uh, you know, they mightn't want to put themselves forward. And what like we're we're planning on doing there, hopefully maybe in November, is opening it up to everybody who wants to get who wants to play football for Cork Ladies Football, have a go at it. We'll take them in, you know, for trials and things like that, and hopefully put the, the best squad we can then together. Because there's always always new players out there. And look, you're right. Like the lads were there for the last six years. And it goes back the same even when 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 Eamon was there. You know, there was probably players that, that were probably missed out on because, you know, that fresh pair of eyes, I think that's very important. And, you know, and that's not saying anything, you know, bad about the guys who were there before. Mm-hmm. New manager, new coaches will always see something new in a player maybe. And, you know, I'm certainly going to, I suppose, open the doors, open up the field to everybody. And hopefully then we'll get as be- the best squad we can. And as I said, hopefully maybe have a little, another squad underneath it as well, if that's possible. So, you know, if there's anybody, you know, any girl who's out there, 
who thinks that she might have something to offer a Cork Ladies football, they're going to be brought in, had a look, you know, get a fair crack of the whip. We look at them over a number of weeks. And, you know, um, you know that's, that, I think that's the big plan. I want to have the best squad available to us every single year. And, and, and the other thing with their playing other codes, that doesn't bother me. Um, you know, we can work with that. Like we've always worked with the dual players, you know, and if there's players playing soccer or playing rugby or something like that, and they feel they have something to offer Cork Ladies football and we feel they have something to offer, then the door is open to all those players. Oh, that sounds amazing. That's very exciting. Like, I think it is. And I think that there's plenty of players out there that probably mightn't feel that they're good enough for a senior level. But listening to you now, they might even have the confidence to, you know, try and get themselves and push themselves forward. I was going to ask you about, do you feel under pressure to bring home those medals and to bring home those cups? But I don't think you are, Shane. I think you're actually really excited about this. And I don't think pressure will come into it at all. Yeah, look, I think that when you when you apply for a job like this and you, and you accept it, you know what it, what it, what's coming with it. Um, you know, you can easy, I suppose, you can take on a team, you know, and maybe a team just you know who are you know happy maybe to keep them up senior or whatever club level things like that. You know, there every club has aspirations, but and every team, I suppose, every inter county team has aspirations to do well. But there are certain counties that that and you know you could carry the carry footballers, men's footballers like. Dublin footballers, Kilkenny hurlers, Tip hurlers, Limerick hurlers. Mm. Their currency now is all Ireland medals. And that's where I suppose Cork Ladies football was for a long time, you know, winning 11 titles in 12 years. Um, it feels like a drought that it's six years. Other counties probably be looking at you, what are you talking about? That's not a drought. But the way we were, were operating for so long in Cork, it is a drought. And I know what 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 I've let myself let myself in for, and I'm really in, you know I'm going to embrace it and enjoy it. You know I, I like that that pressure pressure element to it because that means I'm going to perform better. I'm going to set standards for my players to perform better. My management are going to have to you know perform the best they can be, and we're always going to be challenging ourselves. And if we happen to win one, we're going to make sure the standards don't slip when we go again. And that was that's always a challenge. Like if you're being successful to, to sustain that success. And that's going to be our job was we're going to drive the group. And I know from the players themselves that there's, um, you know, they're hugely professional. They've got unbelievable expectations of themselves. And I know that they were absolutely devastated after their Ireland semi-final mm. with, with the way it finished. And with the fact that they haven't got over the line in the last few years, they want to succeed. They're driven to succeed. And I think I'm going to match that ambition and drive that they have. Amazing. And I, just before I let you go, I think... The game is in such a good place, ladies football. It's growing every year and it's just a pity this year we couldn't get the fans a proper amount back in the stadium because I'd say it would have been, you know, it would have broke even more barriers and records this year. But um, the nominations are out this morning and Amid, of course, lead the way with 40 nominations. I think Cork have seven I read this morning. Only about two hours ago, the All-Star nominations came out. But the game yeah, this yeah, year... I just, the- I just- I just got a notification on my phone, all right, of them coming in. I was in class all morning. So, like, you know, look, it's great that we that we'd seven nominated, um, you know, and I think look, that's the, the, all those girls played very well all year, um, you know. But, like, it's, I suppose, going to drive everybody on that, yeah. you know, that what me did this year means it's achievable for every county. And if every county puts their mind to it, so it's going to, I think it's going to be a very, very open championship next year. And I think when you have an open championship where there's no real, um, I suppose, absolute favourite, I think that it, that generates a lot of public public interest in it. Um, you know, you can think of even the men's final this year. If the Dubs were in the final again, there wouldn't have been half the hype there was with the Mayo Tyrone game. And you know, I think that's very, very important that that the championship becomes. And I, I do feel over the next couple of years that it's going to be. Um, it's going to take something special for somebody to dominate it, I think, the way it has been dominated for Dublin for the last, I suppose, four years, Cork before that. You know, is that team out there at the moment? 
I'd hope to create that team, but I know that it will be very hard to do so because I think the championship has the levels in every county are going up all the time. And I look, I'm very, very excited about what's going to happen next year. And, you know, hopefully this time next year, you know, the Brenda Martin will be sitting in Leaside in, 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 in the captain's house. And that's, that's the plan ultimately, Valerie. And I think, look, with a lot of hard work and, I think I think that's very very achievable first. You know, not to say that we're going to do it, but I think it's it's an achievable goal. Uh, when's the first training session? I mean, when can you get together? What's the plan? Is it anytime soon or? Um, well, look, we've been given no dates for the last couple of years. You were kind of dictated when you could start training and things like that. Okay. But there's been no dates, no indication yet from from the LGFA about when you're allowed to do anything. Um, I suppose look, I don't think there's going to be any restriction to be quite honest with, with regards going back to training because of look hopefully everything stays the way it's going at the moment um, but I suppose look the club championship was, we're in the middle of the club championship mm. in Cork so a lot of everybody every player in Cork is playing club championship so we're not going to interfere with that um, we're looking at starting trials maybe in November when I suppose the vast majority of clubs will be will have exited the championship you'll be down to final stages yeah. and hopefully look depending on when the league is going to start we, we're not sure what the situation with the league is next year um, we'll work back from that date and then see what the optimum time to be working with players is but look I know from the, the way players are at the moment Valerie all these players are training very hard with the clubs they're doing their own bit as well they're keeping up their gym work things like that Players are looking after themselves all the time. They don't really have a downtime. And I'm hoping to make sure that they do have downtime as much yeah. as possible during the year as well. And I think that's very, very important that you do have that that time for yourself where you're not coming down to the field. Uh, you're not even, you know, I have a big thing, I suppose, even with injured players, not dragging them down to the field all the time because, you know, you're, you're tired. They need a break as well. And I think that's going to be very important. We're going to make sure we, we do all that properly. So look, once we get the go ahead to start doing things, you know, we'll start our trials and we'll get our panel together and, you know, we will make sure that we we're going to be in the best condition we can be at that time of the year for the league. And look, I'm looking at the league of, as I suppose blooding a lot, lot of players. Mm. Hopefully, we get the I suppose the bigger group in the league that it's going to be seven games, which will allow me a lot of opportunities. You know, if it's only four game, four team group, you know, it will curtail what we can do. So hopefully, it'll be a bigger group this year again. But look, once we get the go ahead, we're going to be hitting the road running, and um, you know, all all our players are going to be in the best condition they can be in. And I suppose both tactically, skill-wise, and certainly physically-wise, they're, they're going to be as good as they can be. At 30 years of age, am I too old for a trial, Shane? <laughs> oh, sure. As I said, Valerie, anybody, anybody can try out, you know. And I, look, and I, and I mean that, like, you know, you know, look, players know themselves, I suppose, as well. Like, um, but as I said, I think maybe, look, new, new faces, new voices, new eyes. Um, you know, I think people want to have a go, have a, have a cut off it. I admire anybody who comes to a trial, you know, do uh, you have to, it shows a bit of guts and determination. And, you know, if we can see something in a player, you know, we, we, we'll work with that player. Amazing. Well, Shane, we can tell you're extremely passionate about it. I'm very excited about this. I'm getting excited to get to know you more over the next few years. I'm sure you're the same getting to know all of us in the media, Shane, but the very best look from us all here in Red FM. We're very excited for what's to come. Thanks very much, Valerie. And then Red Nook and, Red FM always give a great coverage. Look, you know, there's, it, it, you know, you're probably one of the flag bearers for it. So look, fair play to you, and and hopefully that'll keep going. And then all the lads, the rest of the lads there as well are doing great work. So look, we'll look anytime we're we're open and honest. We're going to be open and honest with the media, and you know, there's going to be no closed shop there. Thanks, Thanks Shane. Valerie. That was Shane Ronane chatting to me after he was newly appointed the Cork Ladies Senior Football Manager during the week. I caught up with him yesterday, the day before on Zoom. It's lovely to chat to him. I mean, he's great plans. He sounds like 
he really wants to, you know, go full throttle into this. And I'm very excited to what's to come. And I'm sure the players will be well if, if they were listening tonight. And even though that he's going to give people a chance to do some trials, I mean, it's all very exciting and a fresh pair of boys and everything. So the very best look to Shane. Um, up next is Laura Hannon. She's an author and illustrator and a formula female competitor if you want to find out what that is you will do so in this chat that sounds amazing Laura doesn't it an author an illustrator a competitor sounds um difficult to swallow I think um yeah I'm an author and illustrator sure why not um, you are how has life been for yeah, you anyway first happened. of all um yeah so I'm kind of launching the book at the moment um I've worked as an engineer for the last over 10 years and um, I just wanted to branch into something different, branch into something more creative, get back into my creative roots. I was a lot more creative when I was a kid and COVID happened. You're stuck in a bedroom and you start to think, oh, maybe I'll start drawing again or maybe I'll start writing again. So that's what kind of happened. And thus, uh, Daisy was born. And when you were in COVID, Laura, did you... Did you feel like, okay, I want to do a book or was it just that you started drawing first and then the book came from that? It was actually, I think I started drawing first, definitely. I went to New York just before COVID hit, which was very handy. And I got the idea of doing like a little kind of graphic um, skyline and I did it for my mom for Christmas. And I kind of started doing like Christmas cards, started drawing them because I just thought I'm just bored. I want to do something. And I got back into it and then it was just like one night randomly I started to think about a story about a little girl that would um, get into STEM and be like, basically be the little girl that I wish I was, the one that was so confident and that would go out and do STEM subjects without apologizing and do motorsport and do all of those things. And that's where Daisy kind of came from. I always had her in my, I had the image in my head. I just have to get it down on paper. Well, that's where it kind of all sprang from. Because it is a sport that not many women tend to go into, Laura. And I know that there is a very little and few in Ireland, but it's not a sport that you'd see many women in. No, definitely not. Um, it's like when I was, I was, I've loved more sports since I was a kid. It's always been in the house. And like, I never had any female role models in the sport up until maybe Susie Wolf or someone like that, who was a test driver for Williams. But there was nobody really to look up to. Um, you're kind of looking at men all the time. You don't really realize that there's no girls there until you see, you started to see these girls come in and, as engineers and come in as team principals. And then you start to realize how few women there is in the sport. But yeah, it's it's hard for it's motorsports hard for anyone to get into, I think, and it's just there isn't that much female uptake because it's so hard to get into as well. You know, there isn't there's a W series now which came out in 2019, which is a female um, female racing league, I guess is what the best way to describe it, and that runs with F1 um, on their weekends. But before that, there was nothing to look up to, so it's. If you can't see it, you can't be it. And that I think that's the biggest thing that we're trying to push in the last number of years with motorsport to try and get girls into it. And what's what's that push been like in Ireland? I know there's a good few of you that are kind of trying to join together and this is where the book kind of came in collaboration with Formula Female as well. Yeah, so um so with the book I 
I actually sent it to Nikki Daly, um, who's an Olympian, Olympian hockey player, and she's um, she founded Formula Female. So she, I emailed her, and about 20 minutes later, she emailed back saying, absolutely, I'm in. Let's launch this. Let's do this. Um, and Formula Female, I wish was around when I was younger. I think that's why I love it so much. She's really, she's tapped into something really special. It's about getting girls into motorsport. It's about helping the women that are already in motorsport. It's about STEM subjects and getting girls to see the subjects they do in school and how they can be applied to motorsport and showing them what's available. Because I think it's very hard to imagine yourself as a motorsport engineer, you know, unless you're mad into the sport and you see it all the time. It's not something you think of doing, but it's actually really interesting and exciting. And everyone should have at least a look at it to see if they could maybe do it. Um, and Nikki is just such a, a light in the sport, I think. And the organization is doing so well right now, pushing girls into into karting and promoting these like amazing female stereo, like female um, role models in the sport. I think that's hugely important to them um, so, to create that visibility. And to get the backing of of a role model herself, like Nikki, must have been pretty amazing, especially when you said 20 minutes later she was in, Laura. I didn't think she'd even read the email. I was I was so shocked. I, I took a chance just one random Tuesday. I was like, I have this book. I don't know what to do with it. I feel it should go somewhere. And I knew that I loved Formula Female and I loved what Nikki Daly was doing. And I thought that maybe, just maybe, she might even just promote it on her Instagram. I didn't think she'd go for the idea of branding it with the logo and instantly in for it. So I think that just goes to show how much she empower like how much she really believes in what she does and empowers other women um, and supports them in any way she can. So I think it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is for a female. And of course it is in collaboration with CUH charity as well. Like where can people get this, Laura? And how come you've chosen a charity like CUH? Yeah, so um, they can get it on, I have a Shopify, um, it's Laura Hannon Books on my Shopify. Um, It's also, I can, if you follow me on Instagram, it's Laura Hannon Books um, and I have the link in my bio. It's kind of a hard um, website to say on the radio, but that's where it's easiest to find also on the Formula Female um, Instagram page. It's on their bio as well. Um, But we post on LinkedIn, we post on Twitter. You can find it if you look for us, you'll find the link. CUH, it's just a fantastic charity. I've always wanted to do something for them. Never really knew what I could do. Um, and when I got this, I just thought this should have a huge impact. This should be give back as much as it as much as it can. And it's going to promote women in motorsport. It's going to get little girls to see themselves in motorsport and in in a traditionally male roles. And it's also going to raise money for charity. And they're doing some great work at the moment. They're trying to, they're building a children's section of the um, A&E and they're also building a children's hospital. So that will help people go to Cork instead of having to go to Temple Street if God forbid something happens in their family. And I think that's something amazing to support. And if I could give back to that, I'd, I'd be happy. I think it's just really important to give back to these things. You also yeah. have a competition coming up in November. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I've decided to be a... Um, Daisy's kind of inspired me, I guess. Um, I've always wanted to be a race car driver. Um, even when I was small, it was what I wanted to do. And 
I never really saw the opportunity or maybe it, it is hard to get into, especially, you know, if you're talking about 20, 20 years ago or whenever it was, it's a lot harder to get into. Um, and then this competition called Formula Woman came into my Instagram and I thought, oh, I'll follow that. Not sure what it is, but I'll keep, I'll just follow it along. And I just started to see these, um, the applications opened and it turned out that it was anyone with a driver's license over the age of 17 um, can apply and there's no need for you to have any experience whatsoever. You could walk in there with no experience and be treated like everybody else. And yeah, I decided I'll go for it. Why not? It's a, it's a day out, if nothing else, like the, the assessment day is in November. And as part of that, you drive a Corsa E um, around the track time, to, obviously. And then there's an element of fitness in it. There's elements of mental strength. There's elements of media training. And basically, they're trying to find someone with natural driving ability and a good personality and someone that they could see getting um, further into the sport. Um, the winners of the competition um, get a seat in the British GT Cup next year. So, you know, McLaren's, that's amazing. Like, dream, dreams, like, absolute dreams. But we'll see. I'll get through the assessment first. Do and my best. Can you prepare for something like this? Can you, are you practicing? Do you try? What What's the preparation like for something like this? Yeah, so there's been, um, so the motorsport community has actually been really good. And there's been, there's a few other girls doing it from Ireland as well. So we'll be able to go up to Mandelo. I've done a bit of training up there with them in their um, BMWs, their Formula Shanes as well, which is their open wheels cars. Um, I've also gone into doing um, sim work in the digitalmotorsports.com. Give me a, a, a go in that as well. So I'm going to keep doing that. There's karting as well, of course. And everyone's been really supportive in the motorsport community and giving us um, tips and tricks and, and giving us advice so that we can get better. And I think I, a couple of days in Mandelo, I got significantly better and I really thought that I went up there really scared and I thought oh they're going to think I'm terrible and I'm not going to be able to do this and it actually was the opposite and they were so supportive and gave me all of the tips and advice and gave me real feedback which I think is very necessary that wasn't just get you in the car and forget about you it was really taking you through it really slowly to make sure that you knew exactly how to be the best around the track. What's the adrenaline buzz like in that? <laughs> It's amazing. It's amazing. It's, I think I was, it's, I just didn't expect to be, I suppose I didn't expect to be able to do it for one, but then I was definitely didn't expect the adrenaline and the the high that you get from it. And I, I think you get a massive respect for people in motorsports that, that that's what they do. And they, especially in the higher levels in Formula One, I couldn't like, I can't even imagine your brain can't even comprehend what they can do. And you go around Mandelo and the Formula Shames, which is probably the closest you're going to get to a Formula One car. And you're, you, the concentration it takes to just do that. Imagine having to do that, you know, in a Formula One car where you're going 300k more even. Like it's incredible. You have a couple of seconds to make decisions in the Formula Shames. You have like minus seconds to think of anything in a Formula One car. It's just amazing. This sounds amazing. I'm so excited for anyone listening that me and Laura actually went to college together. So it's amazing to yeah. see you doing something like this, which is crazy. I mean, both of us. But 
We can't wait to watch you on a journey. As you said, Laura Hannon Books is the place to go on Instagram and it's Daisy's first race car. That's where you can also buy it. The link will be in your bio. Laura, the very best of luck and we'll have you on for your next book as well. You can tell us all about Daisy's next uh, trip out in her race car. Oh, definitely. I'll be back on straight away in a couple of months. Give me, give me some time. Give me a chance to draw it. Best of luck. <laughs> give me a chance to com- write it. Yeah. Best of luck in the competition. Oh, thanks very much, Val. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Welcome back to the Big Red Bench and Cork's Red FM with me, Valerie Wheeler, with you until 7 o'clock tonight. Joining me on the Big Red Bench this week is former Ireland international Fiona Hayes. Fiona, welcome. It's been a while. Yes, Valerie, you've uh, been off on your travels, I see, in the Olympics and everywhere. So welcome back, I suppose, to Cork and Thanks. welcome back to reality. Um, it's great to be here. Thanks, Emil. You're as good. So unfortunately, we're bringing you on maybe for a bit of a downer now. We're going to go from being in such a high, but Ireland will miss out on the next year's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand after losing to Spain, Scotland in the qualifying tournament. Fiona, first of all, take us back to last week when we were watching the game. Oh, just so devastating for everyone involved. Yeah, it really, really was. I suppose um, I'll, I'll put you in my kind of frame of mind. I, I, we had our first AIL game with Ballon Colleague and it was a big day for the club and we actually won that game by a point. So we were on an absolute buzz and we literally all ran off the pitch to go in and watch the girls game at five. Um, Ballon Colleague had it on for us and everything. So it was kind of we were on such a high and I suppose it kind of it's I watched the game in and out because we were talking obviously about our own game but it was only the next morning when I I went back and I viewed the game from start to finish again where geez the disappointment really set in on me I suppose me personally I nearly had my bags packed on the plane to New Zealand I was I was that confident of of us getting a World Cup spot so it is a devastating um uh, time and I think it's 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 not a great time for women's rugby in Ireland to be honest I think when I was watching it, especially, you know, I think it was it was last minute grasp that we lost it, unfortunately. But I think Fiona Coughlin was on, you know, she was on commentary in RT and she was choking back the tears. And I think that's when reality set in for me, Fiona. I felt like I nearly always had a lump in my throat as well. I felt like, oh, my God, this this is it. Like, this is where Ireland's rugby is at at the moment. And Fiona, like for you, you're a former player. Like, what are the players, the former players feeling now about it? Yeah, first off, like I've known Fiona Cockley for most of her life and I've never heard her cry. So even me listening to that, the commentary the, the next day, it was absolutely heart-wrenching. But I suppose where it comes from a good place with us, we've... Um, We've obviously been lucky to be involved in teams that were involved in um, the the first team to beat the All Blacks, and we had um, two uh, two Six Nations. So you know we're not taking for granted that we were lucky around that time. But we all, I suppose, thought we left the jersey in a better place, and it's just devastating for us because we love the game so much. We worked so hard at club level to to get it. You know, Fiona and and those girls and everyone. They were the first. Italy was the first game. Tele- and you know we all spoke and laughed about it how bad it was afterwards that it, we had so many good games before that 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 was the one so it's it's get we we worked hard to get it kind of acknowledged as as a sport and RT have been very good and putting on all the games and just to to get to a place where we don't even qualify or work for a World Cup we've never not qualified for a World Cup and it's 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 absolutely devastating I know the standard of rugby has gone up in general since we've played but it, it's still I mean we're a rugby nation our men's team everyone we there's so many people who have an interest and a love for rugby in this country 
What happened, Fiona? What? How? How Ireland <laughs> got to this stage? Personally, what do you think? Goodness me. Um, for me personally, obviously, I looked at the games. Um, I know the talent that out there, and let me tell you, there's very, very talented rugby players on that squad. Um, at times, for me watching them, they didn't gel. It was inconsistency in how they played. You know, a lot of people look back, and I've seen a lot of articles, and it's 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 kind of blame for the IRFU and the system and around that. But it needs to be spread out everywhere. I think the players, I think the coaches, I think everyone needs to take accountability on that. And um, certainly the players are, in what I've spoken to, they're so disappointed. But it just didn't gel. Even though, you know, even though, we we I watched the games. They had a chance to qualify. They they definitely had the beatings of Spain. They had the the beatings of Scotland. So for me, I look back. I look at game plan. I look at players that were picked. Um, I look at uh why certain things were done in certain areas. Why another thing I've spoken about strongly is the sevens kind of becoming involved. It's not that they're not talented. Oh my God, they're absolutely talented. 100% rugby players, athletes, but they haven't played enough 15 rugby games. And that's the main thing for me. Why, if we wanted to bring them in, why haven't we got them playing those games? And I think for a lot of people, there's players that have had no games because they were taken away from their clubs as well, Fiona. And there's players that probably didn't play for 15 or 18 months. And like game time is everything. You can do as many camps and training and A's versus B's. But when it comes to match, you have to be playing matches to try and win matches. Like Definitely. And you know what? Like I listened to something there uh, this week. Brian O'Driscoll was talking about we need to, you know, resource the girls like as in get them trapped proper playing facilities get them S&Cs get them um, you know uh, camp like proper stuff at camp and they have all that and they've had that the RFU have done that for a long time but where I think feel like we've been neglecting things is at the club game level or that interpro level we had an interpros maybe two three weeks before this World Cup qualifier I always questioned why couldn't it have been um, maybe a couple of weeks before that when it kicked off and every single one of those girls were playing. Now, I know the RFU spoke about COVID and stuff like that came into the equation, but I think we could have really worked hard to make that work. Um, a lot of the girls have gone over to play in England. I know it's there's that whole professional, semi-professional argument that's there, but there's definitely been times where I felt um, a lot of my players would have been up at camp when I was coaching Bose and maybe they mightn't have got game time with Ireland and I think they would have been best served playing the AIL and having a great value on the AIL I'm looking over at England this weekend and I see a lot the majority of girls that played in that qualifiers are on the bench or playing in their games over in the premiership and uh, maybe some of the girls over here aren't I know some girls will need time out and stuff like that but it just seems to me like there's a big focus on games over there and getting their athletes um, game sharp and I think we need to have the same thing focus over here for it to for girls to be performing at a high standard at international level and I mean, why won't they let them play for the clubs, Fiona? Is it because they're afraid they're injured and maybe COVID comes into the situation or is they just they just want them to themselves to kind of get the best out of them there? And are they afraid of injury? Like, why do you think they won't let them play? I think there's a mix in there. They obviously were in a bubble. Um, but to me, that sometimes doesn't make sense because all these girls worked as well. So how much of a bubble is there? Um 
they obviously do specialized stuff up at camp. They obviously feel like um, maybe up in camp they'll get better training um, than they might at club level because a lot of the girls wouldn't have been allowed to train with club either. I know there was uh, girls had come down to train from the international team with Munster and they were probably asked not to do contact because they would be up in camp. And there's player welfare and I understand there's a lot of equation. I'm not saying that I, I know everything around that area, but as a supporter, as a coach, um, as a player, an ex-player, I was at my sharpest when I was playing. When I played, I could have played the weekend of the AIL before it, gone straight into Six Nations um, and and then maybe if I was on the bench and I didn't get that 15, 18 minutes flown back from Italy on that morning and been playing Sunday afternoon. And that's the way it was. And whether you agree with it or not, I loved it because I got my game time. I was sharp. I was ready. And if there's injuries, you we have, I personally think we have the players to step up and take that and step into that role, whether they don't think that is the is the is the reason as well. Maybe there is that. Yeah, I do think if players want to play for their clubs as long as they're as Ireland as well, I think they should be allowed and able to do so. But back to your point in the 15s and the sevens, Fiona coming in. It probably wasn't fair for on either side because you have players that are there in positions for years and then you're bringing in sevens last minute and you're slotting them into their position. And they're probably, as you said, they're they're not up to the 15s level. And I don't think that's fair personally on the 15s that were there training all year round and then we're bringing in the sevens and they get my position. Yeah, and then I feel very strongly about this. I think it's a disregard for the women's 15s game that you think that someone can come in and just because they've played sevens, it's a different game to me. I First of all, I want to say that all these players are amazing athletes and are really, really good at what they do and they're full-time athletes. They're training all the time. I understand that. They're in their peak of um, shape, physicality, everything, diet. There, It's all controlled for them. So they are, they as as players, they're absolutely excellent. But to, to not play 15s rugby and slot in, it's just not possible. And you very rarely see it done in, in the men's game. You probably wouldn't see it done. So I, I, I just think that we have to respect what playing and playing in that position and learning about that position. So, you know, be it a winger or center, there's slight changes in how you would do things, how you defend things. And in sevens, there's a lot more grass. You have a lot more space, decision-making. You probably get a little bit more time than you would in the 15s game. And I think we saw that. But I will say with Stacey Flood, I thought she slotted into the 10 spot really, really well. But what comes up with me is imagine she played games. Imagine she'd been there for a couple of years mm. and, and and she still could have played her sevens and floated in and out of doing both. We would have seen an absolutely outstanding player for the whole tournament. And she did have a good tournament, but I'm just always thinking, what if is the way I'd be viewing it. And do you think that these decisions are management decisions that maybe have gone wrong as well, Fiona, over the last year or so? when management or maybe there's a lot of questionable decisions that have been made. Yeah. And look, I'm sure they've viewed all options on and I'm sure they've made decisions with the be- to the best of like what they think they were doing be- best for yeah. the athlete. Um, 
you know, maybe they don't think the club game is up to a good quality in Ireland um, and that's fine. Maybe they um, really want to protect their athletes. They might think we've only so many that um, we, they can't get injured. Um, but if that's the case, let's start investing in the club game. Let's get it up to that standard where you can release them, where they can come back in, where the coaching at club level is a really, really high standard. And they're going back, having learned something at club and going back into an Ireland setup and being confident. And the big thing with me that I've always uh, have found issues with is why aren't they picked off their performance at club? A lot of these girls are picked off their performance at Interpro. Some are, but some aren't. When I played, you had to be performing. You had the coaches down in the sideline, down in Limerick, maybe watching you in Interpros. And if you were good, you got your chance at camp. And there's no there's no ifs or buts. It's, it's you're putting in the performance to be seen. And sometimes I feel with players, they might be taken on maybe their name, maybe on one performance that they might have, and they're and they're and they're put into that setup. and And I think you don't get the pride and passion that you will get out of someone who's absolutely earned their their way up from from the bottom and built it the whole way up to the top. And I think that's when you get the best out of an athlete. And they're probably missing out on players as well, Fiona. There's probably players and teams out there that could be in that Ireland squad and that they just haven't been seen because they haven't been bothered to go to these games. Yeah, well, look, I like I like we send in our videos, to be honest, or if you do get the videos and they can view them. I mean, when I was coaching Bose, I, I had a couple of second rows that that were that I thought were outstanding. And I sent in videos of these. And look, they, I'm sure they're happy with what they have. And they and they've they've pumped enough resources into them. So they wanted to stick with that squad, I suppose, for from the qualifiers because we didn't have AI games during COVID. Mm. And I completely understand that. But my big thing is why wasn't their games fixed? Why didn't? they maybe come and have a, a rest of an AIL versus an Ireland camp full on. Then you've people chomping at the bait to try mm. and get on that Irish squad and they would have really got a game. We talked about the line out not functioning at times and it's very easy to to, to do a line out and training when everyone knows your calls um, and, 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 and you know maybe told don't jump there we want to get up fast. When you go to an international they're looking, they're, they're viewing, they can go up anywhere they can really put you under pressure anytime and I think that's what we saw I think that's where we really really saw from from going against your friends at uh, a camp even though I'm sure there was massive like um, uh, hits in there and people trying to get on squads I get that but it's very very different to to going against someone that knows absolutely nothing about you and is really kind of in your face a question on you sitting in the videos do you get feedback about those players then Fiona or is it just no, 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 I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, they, they, they will acknowledge or whatever, but um, obviously they, they're focusing on who they've got um, and, and what they have up there and they might get on to you then if they, if they want you, they might see a player on a video and you'd send in more footage. So, so there, there's definitely a system there, but I suppose with COVID, we, we didn't see it enough, I don't think. Unfortunately, Fiona, it's not great for us here to be talking about how all the negative things, you know, because there's plenty of positive things that we can take from it as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, like they're, the girls got to play that competition. They got the matches. I've already spoken about how the the setup in the high performance center is there for the girls. Um, so when they get up there, it is it is a big setup, and we can see that the game is kind of growing. There's a lot of attention. I've I found a few more numbers have come down to me and Ball and colleague. I've watched the underage; it's growing. So now for me, it's about nurturing that and maybe getting a plan and play 
place the RFU can get a plan in place review what's gone wrong get a plan in place and we can go from there and you know like obviously it's a lot of negative talk um, but we did like me personally I, I thought I saw some really good standout performances from some of the players you know I, I'm sure the likes of Claire Malloy will be so upset um, going out on that there might I, I think there's going to be a couple more retirements in the in the next few um, years but as for the youth I mean we saw Emily Lane at nine I just think there is there is there is players coming through and although things might not have gone right for them there's also going to be that in the pit of their stomach and we 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 know we have to get better and we know we have to fix that and that's always good in an athlete to have and for them as well with the big stir to see the amount of people backing them and wanting more from them um, for them and from them is great for them now we just need to we need to find out where we're going to go and go with it yeah, I do think that a lot of people shouting and talk about it is a good thing, to be honest, because I think it'll put a lot of pressure on people to make the changes, Fiona, which is great. Fiona, it's great to chat you about that, but I know we're going to change a bit of a subject here now because I met you recently and you told me you were doing this Wimp to Warrior and I couldn't believe it, as if you're not busy enough. Can you explain what Wimp to Warrior is for everyone listening? Yeah. As you know, well, you know, Val, I'm a bit of a, a crazy prop. Was I was knowing that you're looking at me here now through a video. My hair is everywhere. <laughs> so so I decided to do something a bit crazier. I was missing um, I was missing that physicality of the game. It's different uh, coaching. So I, I, I embarked on a 20 week program called Wimp to Warrior, where I train every weekday morning at 6 a.m. for an hour and a half. And I learn all the arts of MMA or try to learn them. And in about, I've been 14 weeks now, in about six weeks, I'm going to be doing a cage fight. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a bit crazy. I don't know how I'm going. I'm getting a few bruises in places I've never had bruises before. <laughs> but um, but for me personally, um, I'm doing it. Um, my aunt passed away and my godmother passed away a couple of years ago of um, Alzheimer's. And it's something that's kind of, I've wanted to do something through maybe a rugby match just to raise awareness and raise funds for Alzheimer's Ireland. So this um, seemed to me like the best thing. And uh, hopefully um, she'll uh, she'll be looking down somewhere and going, you're actually nuts. But, um, but yeah, it's just to, to draw awareness and, and I'm doing this torture just for her. Um, it's a lovely thing to do and I know that you will be setting up a GoFundMe page and I will be sharing it on the Big Red Bench shortly for anyone that does want to go on and give us anything at all Fiona would be greatly oh, appreciated yeah. for Alzheimer's Ireland. But for you, I mean, what's what are you feeling? Are you feeling like you're going to take this person? Like, can we all go? What's the crack? <laughs> no, but I'm not telling anybody when the fight is on. That's first of all, just in case I'm too competitive. If I lost, I'd never live it down. Um, yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling good. It's it was a massive change for the first few weeks, getting up every morning at five o'clock. So that that was a bit crazy for me. But I've kind of got into a routine now, and yeah, I, I feel like I'm getting there. Um, a lot to learn in 20 weeks because you're obviously looking at kickboxing, jujitsu, boxing, cage box, cage fighting, everything, wrestling. So there's there's a lot to learn. Um, I don't know who I'm going to fight. So to pair you up close to the time, maybe a week um, beforehand. And if they don't have anyone there, it's also going on in Drada and Dublin. So they'll bring someone down from there. So that would probably suit me better as I would hate to have to punch someone in the face that I've been working with for the last 20 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, it might be the best thing ever. Maybe, maybe that's true as well. <laughs> 
Fiona, well, we wish you the very best luck with that. Um, as I said to you before we started the chat, we'll definitely try to get you on maybe the week of the fight to see how you're, how you're set and whether you're nervous or anything. And come here, how's all the coaching going? You had a first win last week at Balancolic. Yeah, it was absolutely, it was so exciting. Um, you know, I, I obviously moved clubs, so I was a bit nervous about, but oh my God, have Balancolic RFC been brilliant. Half the town, I think, came out to watch the girls. Um, they've really focused on the women's team this year and uh, we got the win by a point. It wasn't pretty, I will say that. And they, they know that themselves because I showed them the video on Wednesday, but we were absolutely delighted and the heart and the spirit was just, it was just amazing for me to see and I, I was super excited during the game I hadn't had that buzz in a long time I'll be honest it was it was brilliant and everyone there to, to wish the, the girls the best and it was just it was really good to get that start in the OEL and and it was it was it was exciting for the town yeah, it's absolutely great. I know you're out again this weekend and the match will be over by the time I play this chat. So I will update everyone on the score oh after we finish talking, Fiona, if that's all right with you. That's all good with me. Yeah, we're up in Belfast. I'll, I believe in now, I think, shortly. <laughs> Fiona, congratulations on uh, the first win. And of course, thank you as always for joining us. You're always so honest and passionate about the game. More people like you and hopefully the place will be, the game will be in a better place. All right. Cheers. Thanks, Val. Mind yourself. All right, Fiona Hayes, former Ireland international, joining me there. And unfortunately, today it was 24-10, a loss to Balancolic. But Fiona, like, it would only take Fiona to do this whim to Warrior. It sounds absolutely amazing. And I will, I will try and find out when her fight is on, because of course we'd love to know, first of all. And we'd love to go. I'd definitely love to go anyway. That's the next thing. But that was Fiona Hayes. Plenty of more reaction tomorrow night on the big bench with Rory at six o'clock. He'll be, you'll be hearing from Ronan Keane. I actually caught up with Ronan Keane during the week, right? He is development officer in ULGA and during the week they announced their Pride LGBTQ plus jersey they have the rainbow on the sleeve and they're the first of its kind first university I need to do so and it just was an amazing thing for them to do think of the inclusion the diversity that they've done in that college and Ronan speaks to the jersey and he will let us know whether you can buy that jersey I mean I'd love it myself and also more Cork City reaction I thought I'd have time for the Cork City reaction tonight but I don't but I will be back next Saturday from 6pm but Rory is up tomorrow night at 6 but up next it's Stevie G The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red 